Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Drew Meredith, welcome to this episode of the Australian Investors Podcast. Thank you. Excited for another reporting season. Yeah, reporting season, August 2022. We did this a couple of reporting seasons ago. It's heaps of fun. It's when all the companies release results. Well, Australian companies. And we've got some US companies today because the first week was a bit quiet. If you're watching, this episode is unofficially sponsored by San Pellegrino Sparkling Water. They're probably owned by from Co- the, Coca-Cola, aren't they? I don't know. So yeah. it's still <laughs> it's just brewed in San Pellegrino uh, in Italy. So it's a, a proper place. I think Monique, our producer, you're going there in a few months. Yeah. Okay, great. Anyway, back to the podcast. Um, so today we've, we're talking about 10 companies. Uh, we're going to do... Hopefully, if we can manage it, 10 companies every week in a bit of a reporting season blitz. Um, there are you know, numerous reporting season calendars you can get a hold of. I've got one from Comsec in front of me, which I think, as usual, would reference Bloomberg estimates. Yep. Uh, and over the last week, we've had Australian Foundation Investment Company, Rio, Credit Corp, Pinnacle, BWP Trust, Genworth, Centuria, Block, and we'll get to some other small caps that have released quarterlies. Um, next week, we've got companies like Arise and Suns Corp, REA, Megaport, Combank, ResMed, heaps of companies next week. So there'll be plenty for us to choose from. If you do want us to cover particular companies, if you are interested or hold companies that are reporting, please write into us. It's podcast at ras.com.au. You can also find us on the Waddle Partners website. Links are in the show notes or on Twitter or LinkedIn. Just send us a message. And we'll try and cover the company that you're interested in. I've already had one come through for Horizon, which is not a company that I follow that well. So, Me either. So it'll be interesting to take a closer look at it. Yeah, cool. So um, maybe just a quick quick jargon buster. When we talk about uh, estimates, we're t- typically talking about analyst estimates. You can get them through Bloomberg, Refinitiv, um, any, like if you use the ticket terminal, Self-Wealth, any of those platforms will have it. Uh, so uh, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about estimates and we're probably going to see a lot of volatility this reporting season, we're going to see a lot of companies rise or fall. And it's worth considering that when stocks fall by 5, 10, 15%, it's not necessarily even a lot of them report profits and then fall by 15%, but it's due to the fact that they're lower or yeah. higher than what the analysts were expecting. Yeah. So we'll probably quote a bit of that um, as we go through. So just keep in mind that analyst estimates can be wrong. And if you're a long term investor, I think the correct way to frame it isn't. The company failed to meet analyst estimates. It's actually just the analyst got it wrong. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, that's you know, the company delivered what it delivered. Hopefully there's no analysts listening. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I think 5% of our audience identify <laughs> as <laughs> professional <laughs> investors. So there may be a few. Sorry if you're listening. Um, okay. And we're talking about sell side analysts. They're doing something else right now. They're not listening to the podcast. Okay. So maybe we'll go, I go, you go, or you go, I go. What do you want to do? Do you want to go first or? You go, I go. Okay, sweet. So the first company out of the out of the, the gates is uh, Alcidian. A couple of companies that, by the way, that I'm covering are small caps and have reported quarterly updates for cash flow, not their full year results. So keep that in mind. Um, and they reported a bit earlier. I'm just covering them because they're interesting and I know our audience will want to know. First one is Alcidian. It's a um, medical technology company. Basically, it helps hospitals and outpatients and nurses and doctors uh, manage patient flow in hospitals. So it's uh, a clinical decision support system or CDSS or something like that. Um, and basically they sell their software on subscription. The software goes into hospitals and um, like clinics and uh, respite and all that. And it can be used to monitor patients, check, check vitals, all that sort of thing. Uh, so the company is pushing subscription revenue really hard. Uh, they want re- as much recurring revenue as possible under the CEO, Kate Quirk. US or Australia? It's Aussie, yeah. ASX ticker symbol ALC. It's a small cap for 200 million would be a, a, a bullish estimate of its current market cap. I'll just get that up. I should know that. Um, okay, that's ANZ Bank. Uh, let's try again. ALC is the ticker symbol, Owen. So it's $209 million. The company has been sold down very aggressively. It's down 40% this year. Even though, as I'm about to say, uh, it expects to report full year revenue of 34 million, up 31%. And for the year ahead, it has already banked $28 million of revenue in contracts. So it's almost at this year's revenue, which was a record in the year ahead, given the subscriptions. Um, So it's already got got 83% of its annual revenue banked with a further $2.9 million of scheduled renewals. So basically, next year's revenue is basically what it's already recorded this year. So anything that they sell from here on is growth. And it's kind of common in, in tech companies over the last two years. You know, mm. this, this company's probably got higher revenue, higher profit. I'm not sure if it's profitable, but it definitely higher revenue than it did before the pandemic. It, yeah. Share price probably ran exceptionally, got far ahead, but now it's probably trading at a market cap below what it was, yeah. despite it being bigger. So that you, I know you don't know the company that well, but you've already, you just guessed it. It rose from just before the pandemic at 13 cents to a high of around 44 now it's back to 16. And in that time, the business, in terms of the fundamentals, has, has grown considerably. So it's it's starting to really look interesting too because it's just gone basically cash flow break even. And so it's scaling uh, revenue and hopefully operating costs come along with it. Uh, its key focus market is the UK, uh, which, is a, which is a good one. So um, yeah, it's the way, there are a few ways to measure Alcidian's progress and probably the most important one, if, you've, if you're forward looking, is the number of new sales. And um, they've just come off a record year of new sales. And so they're going to see more of that going forward. So the sales team is established in the UK, in Australia. Um, so reported positive operating cash flow, 1 million. And I would say it's probably crossed the chasm in terms of product market fit, in terms of scaling now. Uh, and I would expect it to be meaningfully profitable over the next few years. So high risk, high reward, small cap company, keep that in mind. Like I just said, it fell from 44 cents back down to uh, like 13 cents. So keep that in mind. That said, um, I think it's at a really interesting point in its cycle and I like the business. How does a company like that pique your interest in the first place? How do you find it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I knew a number of other investors that followed it really closely, like Andrew Page from Strawman, but um, 
when you screen for companies on the ASX and you go um, like revenue over X software, there's not, not many, many companies <laughs> in there. There's a lot that ha- don't have revenue. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, if you screen for that, there aren't many companies. Like you've got, um, you've got Alcidian, Prometic, Nanasonic, Somnomed. I think you've got the big ones like ResMed. Uh, uh, can't remember the New Zealand company, but you've got a few companies in that mix. You've got um, a few smaller companies that have a bit of a checkered history. And so there are plenty of other businesses in that, that bucket that aren't on the same trajectory as Alcidian. And it's probably one of the higher quality small caps. I think it's one of the reasons private equity is so interested in healthcare is because mm. it's not efficient. And this is a company trying to you know, oh, bring yeah. efficiency. Yeah, and, well, actually, so I should say another way that I actually learned about this, probably it reinforced what Andrew had posted many years earlier was I was asked to do a, an investment club presentation. It's actually with Angie Ellis. Yeah. There you go. Um, and this was at Northern Hospital here in Melbourne. My wife works there. Oh, there you go. Jeez. <laughs> she might have been I don't there. think she attended. I'm sorry. <laughs> <I did>. Okay. <laughs> um, and they have in the emergency department there, they have um, uh, a head nurse that's very, very keen on investing and has brought up some really interesting companies. And that day when we were in the hospital, we talked about health tech companies and how that's changing. And it was really interesting to get their feedback on our city and because they're like, yes, we really want this. We love this. But it's probably never going to happen because hospitals move so slow. Yeah. But now that Alcidian is in hospitals, it's a big step in the right direction. So, yeah. yeah. We, um, we're going to try and be concise, but that's Alcidian. <laughs> so, we'll be quicker with the rest. Okay, Matt, that's my first one, Alcidian. I just sure. did the biggest report, the biggest company in the world. It used to be $2 trillion. I think it's fallen, maybe it's still $2 trillion in Aussie dollars. But Fortescue? <laughs> Apple, Apple Inc. Yeah, Apple Inc. I've heard of it. Yeah, I think it's two trillion on Aussie, but it might be under that. Two point six six trillion. That's in US dollars. Oh, so that's I was completely wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's probably the biggest report and the most important one. It's the biggest holding in all the S and P five hundred, all the index tracking, all the quality, all the basically every single yeah, every index you fund you yep. buy. So it's worth looking at. I mean, one of the big takeaways was. Uh, the fact that it was so resilient, you know, everyone's it's still something like 80 billion in US dollar revenue, mm-hmm. 40 billion still comes from iPhones, despite Crazy. the growth in earpods, everything else we have, um, or AirPods, not earpods. I sound like <laughs> <laughs> sounding pretty old now. Uh, and even management said it was surprisingly resilient. Uh, it seems like phones are becoming uh, a, a necessity, so people upgrading their phones every two years. Yep. Maybe it's not one year like it used to be, but every two years, and happy to pay thirteen, fourteen, fifteen hundred, yep. uh, more so because that's been incredibly sticky. One of the interesting takeaways was this whole supply chain challenge, where everyone knows about the lack of semiconductors. Mm. Uh, they actually said that the production uh, of Mac and iPads, which actually fell, the revenue from those two units fell for the quarter. Uh, they weren't actually able to test. Demand, so they didn't know whether demand of those for those was slowing because they couldn't get enough supply. So they they did have supply chain issues, but I think iPhone sales offset that. I mean, it's just you look at how amazing the company is, and it's what is that eighty one billion in revenue a quarter, yeah, which is like the size of the Commonwealth Bank's entire market cap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's bigger than some of the banks. Yeah. Uh, and then probably the highlight there is that um, services revenue, so Apple TV, uh, all the subscriptions, and they started packaging them all up together yep. and they're trying Apple to learn one. more about yep. everyone. Uh, that was up 10% for the quarter when everything else was either flat or slightly down. Yeah. it's uh, The services business is incredibly high margin. I was actually just looking at some news there. Um, on Robinhood, 
uh, Apple has been taken over as the number one most held stock in the US by Tesla. Probably not surprising. Uh, Tesla's a bit of a FOMO stock. Uh, but interestingly, there was a news article that I read too that Apple is looking for a senior executive to head up their ad tech business, Yeah, which is really interesting because... Um, they just cut everyone out of their ads. They just, <laughs> just, just turn the advertising world yeah. upside down. And now they're saying, actually, you know what? We might give this a crack. And I think that's the big thing that's... Um, you know, we see that a lot with Apple. Um, like I, I was talking to someone, and we'll get to it in a minute on PayPal, how PayPal owns Zettle, which is like a seller's business for payments and whatever. And they can do the tap. You tap their phone. Like if you're a seller, I'm a customer. Yeah. I tap your phone and you can take a payment, but it only works on Android. Yeah. So it won't work on iOS yet. And so it's like really subtle things where Apple's starting to flex, I think. Um, and this is another example of that too. Let's say have 60% yeah. profit margin essentially in most of their business lines. Yeah, huge. Um, the one number that you put in, um, which I thought is probably the most interesting to me, is the installed base. Yeah. So 1.8 billion in the installed base. They sometimes throw this number around a bit, but it is super, super impressive because that's basically the, the you know, once you go Mac, you never go back. That's yeah. the same, oh, I've got everything. Yeah. And you start with one, then you eventually get everything. And that's the stickiness of the software. And the way to measure that is that installed base. So and that's 1.8 billion installed Apple products yeah. in the world. So it's yeah. huge. And the population's only what, seven? 7 billion. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty impressive. Um, and we're about to throw out some big numbers in a minute when we get to Alphabet. So, I, yeah, Apple, you know, rock solid. Really strong business. Yeah, I think the stock's only down something like 10 or 15% from its high, yeah. uh, which is in incredibly resilient for the biggest company in the world and mid the worst tech sell-off in decades. Yep. Um, which down 9% down this year, but it's rallied recently. So, yeah, still up year over year. Yeah. Really impressive. Cool. So, that's Apple. In at number two is a company that reported this morning. So, I doubt you've had a chance to look at this one, mate. But it's um, Block. Trades under the ASX ticker symbol SQ2, like squared. Square two, um, but on the New York Stock Exchange SQ, which is where it started, I think that ticket symbol may change in time because the company has rebranded as Block, so it's gone from Square to Block, um, and stocks down six percent today and down sixty eight percent year over year. So we've gone from one extreme to the other. Um, just some quick notes from the I think it was the second quarter result. Um, the three months ended uh, June thirtieth, twenty twenty two. So uh, twelve billion dollars is what Square now a block now has on its balance sheet in goodwill. The reason is just acquired uh, Afterpay, which, which we all know. So goodwill goes on the balance sheet along with some debt. Um, that twelve billion dollars of goodwill is up from five hundred thousand. So um, huge increase uh, quarterly. So I saw some reporting and I still don't know why journalists do this, but they include, you've got to look past, when you look at block, you've got to look past the Bitcoin revenue. That's like trading revenue yeah. because it's 40% of total revenue, but only 3% of gross profit yeah. because they make next to nothing on it. The subscription revenue is the thing that most people should be targeting. Subscription revenue up 60% quarter over last year's quarter um, and it's 60% of gross profit. So that's the best way to measure the, the and that's for the square. It's like the seller ecosystem. It's for yeah. the cash app. It's for all of that different stuff that yeah, yeah. where subscriptions are. Um, and so, one point four six billion dollars in gross profit, up twenty eight percent year over year, but costs up six hundred and seventy million to one point six eight billion. So that's what gave it the loss. Um, they've obviously got all of Afterpay in the mix now. So 
Is that goodwill been impaired or is that? No, it's just on the balance sheet. I didn't actually look at in impairments for that. But I did, however, look at, um, if I go down a bit, if I did, however, look at the transaction losses and like uh, they call it transaction loan and customer receivable losses. So they recorded, I believe that's 156 million in um, three months uh, of losses. So that's yeah. where they, if they do like buy now, pay later, they do like loans to whoever and they have to recognize that some way it's in there it's down it's up or down depending on how you think about it it's up from 48 million dollars so this yeah. is a big issue in buy now pay later in australia with zip because zip's got so many losses mounting up they're low margin businesses so yeah. your profit gets wiped out pretty quickly by customer losses huge or, yeah, and you see this at the first point of the cycle right like you'd think that these types of air quotes loans are the ones that kind of get hit first yeah um so Bitcoin impairment losses were um, pretty stable as well. So there's no massive issue there. Um, the thing that I guess spooked the market, other than a slight miss on some notes, um, the the growth that outlook that the company had is probably the bit where people were a bit frightened. Yeah. They didn't give an exact forecast on the cash app and how well that's going to grow. Instead, they just said, we expect it to grow, which is not really that promising given you know, we've got PayPal and all these other players in the market, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, so they said um, the GPV or gross processing volume through the Square ecosystem um, was up 18% in July. So a good, another good month, but it was down 25%. So it was growing at 25% in Q2. So meaning that that growth is sequentially coming down um, and investors did not like that. That's a bit unique for the US where a lot of companies in Australia have just stopped giving forecasts in the last two years. Yeah. Whereas the US, they still really want forecasts yeah they love it yeah. um analysts like sell site analysts because of quarterly reporting in the u.s it's a much yeah. bigger deal than it is here we only get it for small companies so yeah um yeah i mean overall if you just look at the subscription side of square's business or, or blocks business i should say it's growing pretty strongly yeah. um, and that's what will lead to riches for people that own this stock but at the end of the day um they they need to con contain those losses um, and they need to make sure that they're not just continually bloating their income statement. And one way, this is a common criticism of the company, and just this is the last thing I'll say, in the six months end of June 30th, 532 mil of stock-based compensation. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken. So that's- just giving out options to retain or, or attract stuff. Yeah, just yeah. crazy. So um, I think that is something that investors should be mindful of, is how much are these companies giving away and- what do they do with basically what do they do with that now that the stock's down do engineers still accept that or do they want cash you know that's take cash take, <laughs> take the cash and run yeah so that's the that's the big thing it's probably a good thing that's happened in the tech sell-off yeah the stock's down 40 50 percent whatever it is but yeah. it's forcing companies to be a bit more conservative and you know focus more on cash flow than well, just out growth at at all costs and that's what we're going to see like the cheap money seems to be behind yeah the industry so um at least for now so yeah i mean we'll get to that with some of the companies that we're about to talk about but a lot of the commentary out of silicon valley is that hiring is going to slow yeah. not be cut completely but it's just going to slow cheap yeah. money apart from apple who raised uh, some ridiculous amount of money at one percent over the treasury rate so well that's huge <laughs> they're, yeah. they're a better bet than the australian government <laughs> <laughs> but then again um treasury rates going up so, yeah yeah something to think about cool that's so that was block um not a bad result uh just 
investors a bit spooked by that outlook. Anything tech, you, you're just going to be incredibly volatile. I yeah. think that's going to stop until a bond yield settle. Yep, just strap in for the ride, basically. Yeah. I took a look at Pinnacle. So Pinnacle is like uh, outsourced marketing and distribution for fund managers, for a lot of popular fund managers. So, so they take like equity stakes. Yeah, forty. It's usually forty to fifty percent. I think it's less than majority most of the time. Yeah. Uh, and then the fund manager obviously owns the rest of the company. The highlights there are Antipodes, uh, Jacob Mitchell. You probably interviewed. Yeah, he's been on the podcast. The Hyperion guys. Uh, we've had an exceptional run in tech, but are struggling a bit lately. Metrics. Um, was the credit group, and then Plato, which I think I mentioned not long ago. Yep. The probably the top takeaway. Uh, I mean, the profit was up. Was it fourteen percent? And the company can, it keeps growing at something like twenty percent over the last decade. But they actually got. 600 million in inflows across their stable which is about 12 or 13 different fund managers Mm -hmm. and if you compare that to the likes of you know platinum or magellan you're actually in net outflows almost every quarter so while their assets under management fell from 90 odd billion to 83 most of that was due to market market performance yeah and more people invested more money with them um so it's kind of positive trajectory there yep Regardless, it kind of gets caught up in the tech sector and the fund management sector. So the stock's still down 36% um, year to date. And that's despite revenue going up 40% to 46 million, it looks like, for the year. Mm-hmm. It's been a, like, it's been an incredible performer yeah. because they've basically taken the best bits of funds management. Let's just own the equity of some of these funds and let the, the other people that we get into partner with let yeah. them take the risk basically of investing well yeah, exactly. and we'll just own if they and we'll do the distribution performance yeah. and yeah we'll just we'll control what we can control and let them do the rest and it gives the you know more diversification than other fund managers that essentially just do global equity so if global equities are struggling and your performance fees or your management fees are going down whereas you've got a value manager you've got a growth manager you've got smalls you've got fixed income yeah so it's almost a diverse uh investment mm. in a group of fund managers mm. but the entire sector is under a bit of pressure at the moment and yeah. it's just an asset gathering game essentially which is raise capital in each of your your businesses but the thing with them right like as you said we said they're like 12 or 13 so yeah if one of them falters that one disappears from the marketing the yeah. next one steps in <laughs> and then they just get another one to fill that and you know, the Pinnacle brand probably isn't damaged as much. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, asymmetric in terms of their business model. But the valuation on this thing sometimes goes to That's, exorbitant yeah. levels. Like it's uh, crazy. I think the, there's a momentum challenge there because it falls into tech and it falls into funds management. And then if it's growing at 20% a year, assets under management and obviously fees go up with assets, assets under management, people want to value it like a tech company. But you can see it constantly get overvalued and generally and get over, undervalued just as quickly. So let's just wrap some context around this. It went from four dollars in July 2020 to a peak of around eighteen dollars sixty in uh, November 2021. Fell recently to six dollars eighty, and now it's back up to ten dollars ninety. So all, it's almost if you watched the 2020 to 2021, it's almost all because of related to Hyperion. You'd think because Hyperion was one of the best performing yeah. managers in the pandemic. And has struggled since in 2022. Yeah, and like I think if you did a, um, <laughs> if you just looked at the, the, the performance, before, of that, I think it'd be very close. <laughs> it's like one of those chart crimes where you just overlay <laughs> something <laughs> random with and look at this causation or correlation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. But um, yeah, so that's Pinnacle PNI on the ASX. Uh, really interesting funds management business. If you can pick it up cheap, um, 
it's growing very well. I think the founder's still at the helm. So yeah, yeah, really interesting business. Um, so the next one uh, that I've got on my list is Playside Studios. It reported uh, quarterly recently, and as usual, Playside came out and reported um, a bunch of commentary with it, which helps. Um, I think the highlight for me, just if I could jump to that, is the thing that I was really worried about is this is the company. I don't know if you know it, Drew, but it actually. Um, not gambling. No. Normal no, gaming. Yeah. Normal gaming. Yeah. yeah. Normal gaming. Um, but uh, well, actually, think of gambling. Um, it did actually uh, launch some, some of its own NFTs and it made quite a few million dollars out of that. Um, and the thing that I'm going to take away from this quarter is that this is the fourth quarter, 2022, I think it was, FY22. Um, it produced $5.3 million of cash receipts or thereabouts. Uh, net operating cash flows. So before we get to investing cash flows, negative $37,000. The reason why I say that I'm happy with that is because I thought that it would be negative because they've hired so many software engineers and developers and artists and whatever. Um, but if we include investing cash outflows, which is where it invests in intangible prop, uh, property, like um, intellectual property for its games, and uh, $210,000 of PPE, it's a $2 million outflow for the quarter. Fortunately, the company ended with, and I'll get the number 37 up, million. 37 million in cash. In cash. And that's because it's done a great job of selling. Um, it IPO'd not too long ago. It also did that uh, Beans NFT raising, which is basically like 100% margin. Yeah. And with the Beans NFTs, I'm a happy owner of one of those. Well, I shouldn't say happy, I'm down about <laughs> 95%, but um, I'm an owner of one. Uh, and they earn a clip every time that is then traded in the secondary market on um, OpenSea. So they just keep receiving like an annuity, even if it's, I think it's about 6%, I could be wrong, but they just earn that. But so anyway, what does Playside do? Traditionally, Playside started by Jerry Sackers here in Australia. He's from Melbourne. Um, they've got a studio on the Gold Coast, big office here in Melbourne. They make games, mobile, PC, console. Um, they started predominantly in mobile and they've built it out from there. Some of their... Big brands include Animal Warfare, which is just a game where you got animals and they fight. It's a whole thing. <laughs> uh, and they make ad revenue. Um, and they can do premium offerings where they people play for games and you know they get listed on Steam and you download them and whatever. Two things that they announced recently, one was Playside Publishing, which is where they go from just making games to supporting other games, like indie games and whatever. And they're going to focus on PC and console for that. And the reason that they can finally do this is that one, they've got heaps of experience in developing games. They've got heaps of over 100 employees now. Um, but two, they made a number of really big hires from like Team 17, Activision, Blizzard, um, Bethesda Studios, which makes my favorite console game, which is Fallout. Um, and so they've got all these people that know how to publish games, finally, so they'll do it. Yeah. Um, does it add risk? Maybe a little bit of risk. Um, revenue for the quarter, 6.08 million, up 94%. Um, as I said, cash generated 5.4 million, up 49%. Uh, cash position 38 million. FY revenue is expected to be 29 million, up 169%. Work for hire, which is where they work for Meta or Facebook or do some games for them. Uh, they've got a backlog of that, 15.6 million. The thing to watch going forward with this company is the launch of Godfather and Legally Blonde, two big games, as well as the Dumb Ways to Die franchise. Dumb Ways to Die, by the way, Drew. Marky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the trams and trains here in Melbourne, they bought that brand. That was about eight years old when they bought it. They bought it for, I can't remember, but it was one or two million bucks. They've they sold the NFTs for, I think, eight million off the top of my head. So <laughs> they've, <Good timing. laughs> they've, they've done very well out of it. So this is a, with Jerry and the team, the things that I love are when they launch games, they do so much testing. Like Legally Bond and Godfather are already 
um, being tested and being they're tweaking the game depending on like marketing and whatever. But what they do, for example, is they buy Google ads on the brands and Facebook ads before they actually go and tender for the, the intellectual property. So they know yeah. which one's going to be received well before they even bid. And so every part of the way they're testing. The three keys looking forward are hiring costs. How does a company go with managing its huge staff load? An original IP. So that's where they develop their own games, Legally Bond, Godfather, etc. Um, they also need to keep winning work for hire, in my opinion. Work for hire is like contracted work that they do for all the big ones. Yeah. Um, and the final thing, and this is the thing that's going to scare a lot of people, I think, is shares from the founders are coming out of escrow in December. Yep. And there are a lot. And so... Will some of the shares be sold? Maybe. Something to be mindful of. Um, How's so, the share price sitting? Well, the if share it, price- If it's down um, too far, they probably won't sell. Hit a top of 125 not too long ago. It's down to a recent low of 55 cents. Yeah. So, yeah, keep an eye on that. Basically, going forward. it's going to be a, a, a good annual result and I'm keen to see what they make of it going forward. That'd be a potential takeover for- Someone when EA was wasn't merging, yeah. yeah Microsoft someone. and you know Microsoft's making a big foray into the sector. Facebook loves the, its games. Yeah, um, all of the the way entertainment is transitioning, like the metaverse. They're doing Web three stuff. Yeah. Um, so the way that's all going now is they need creative and they need developers. Yeah. And this company is probably Australia's leading, at least listed on the stock market, game developer. So Perfect. interesting times. But the founders control a lot. So if they don't want to sell, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's my number three. The silver donut. Silver <laughs> I think that's what they call it, don't yeah. they? Um, I skipped lunch too, so <laughs> I shouldn't say donut. <laughs> uh, yeah. So record profit up 56% to $4.7 billion. Yep. Uh, I think it's probably you've got one of the best CEOs in Australia. Yep. I'll say Shamara. I can't say. Yeah, I'm, I can't. I'm trying to sorry. embarrass myself doing that. There's, I think, four main business units and all of them were performing well at the same time. So asset management, which does all kinds of you know, issues, Macquarie funds or invest money for institutions, mm-hmm. banking and deposits. So I do my banking, got my mortgage at Macquarie. Uh, Macquarie Capital, so that's the one that's doing all IPOs, mergers, capital placements, yep. uh, and then capital markets and energy markets where they basically help institutions put hedges in place or uh, put trades for things like oil prices, energy prices, and they also... All that stuff you learn at uni. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> yeah. completely went, out, went in one side, straight out the other. Yep. Um, there was an amazing, I think it was, it must be Morgan Stanley came out and said they're probably, they've got the world's biggest green capabilities as an infrastructure company, which is incredible oh. given they basically, they've always managed infrastructure, invested on their own balance sheet, started sharing it with institutions. Uh, and now they're leading the world in financing and building renewable energy assets everywhere, Europe, mm. US, Australia. Hmm. And that's been probably the most surprising. Hey, can I just totally take this in a different direction? <laughs> Was it Macquarie that had that index option? thing that you're talking about you mean true yeah real, true index true i think it's macquarie true index yeah yeah so that's where you can track the index um, for free for free yeah yeah right anyway just thought i'd bring that up don't know just random thought okay it's another they're an investment bank so investments banks just try to make money wherever they can it's very simple that's why they call it the millionaire factory yeah. um you know, there's a product that they can make uh they're obviously upfront in fees um they'll, they'll do it and then i mean the year shows that every part of their business was up but it, interestingly, the CEO was very negative in this. I think it's good management when you when you say, uh, what's the old saying? 
uh, under promise and over deliver. Yep. So she's basically said this, every division performed well this year. We don't expect them, any of them to perform this well next <laughs> okay. year. Yep. Uh, maybe that's why the share price is kind of floating, I think about 170 from memory. Yeah, 176. Uh, I think it peaked somewhere over to 220 at, at one point last year. But I mean, the highlights there, when I refinance there, um, <clears throat> it was the easiest process I've ever had in opening a loan with a bank. Really? What'd you do? Like it was DocuSign, everything was DocuSign, cards were issued. I never had to enter, they don't have branches. I never had to enter a branch, did everything online. Once it was approved, it was incredibly simple or great app. Yeah. You know, and you look at someone like ANZ who's struggling to make loans in the last six months and mm. boarding, buying someone else to do it. So their deposits were up. So term deposit rates are increasing. Uh, they're Good up nine percent. Yeah, yeah, three and a half percent or something for a year. Yeah, and then the home loans were up by eight percent too. So they're picking up the market share that groups like ANZ and the smaller banks are, have been losing. Um, and then you know they managed seven hundred and seventy billion in the asset management division, uh, and have a heap of capital to deploy. The one of the it is very cyclical though. So yeah. they have to realize and sell businesses and assets or do IPOs. Uh, we won't talk about the Newix one. That one still annoys me. Um, uh, they have to realize those to get big, chunky performance fees that come out of the back. Um, yep. But it's just a, a behemoth, well-managed and and profit machine. Yeah, I remember during the GFC, it went from, what, 90 bucks down to like 2016 yeah. in the depths. So yeah, absolutely crunched. One thing that they did basically as a result of that is they shifted away from the capital markets focus yep. and they moved into mortgages. They moved into banking, you know, that kind of like mortals could get into and things like that. Then during, during the GFC, they fell from 144 bucks down to $80, just like a click of the fingers. That's when we bought it this time. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, right. And then now it's back up to 175. Fascinating business. What's like 50 plus years of profits Unbroken profit somehow. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, accounting uh, for changes, that's fine. Um, and the thing is they um, they pay a good, fully, uh, not fully frank, but partially frank dividend as well. Yeah, definitely. So um, um, really interesting business. Like it, we need to get the CEO on the podcast. What can we do? How do we do it? She's got other things to do. Um, okay, so my next company, I'll be quick, um, is PayPal. I covered this briefly on Twitter uh, earlier this week, just mentioned it. Uh, PayPal, global payments juggernaut. Um, big, the big thrust for PayPal is basically where does it sit in a world with block on one side trying to gobble up sellers and um, like, you know, more innovative payment providers. And on the other side with Apple and Google, Samsung, all these likes, um, Alibaba, all those, how does it sit between all them? Um, as many of you may know, that uh, PayPal was bought it started by Elon Musk. Oh, no, it wasn't started by Elon Musk, but Elon Musk sold into it and blah, blah, blah. PayPal Mafia, Peter Till, Max Levchin, all those guys. It was bought by eBay. eBay spun it out, I think, around 2014. eBay is now dwarfed by PayPal. Um, and the eBay revenues, because PayPal used to be the gateway for eBay sales, it's now rolling off. So they're trying to adjust re results accordingly. Um, during the quarter... It was a pretty strong quarter. I think for the most part, investors were really impressed. Um, so it beat expectations. Um, it's going to do a $15 billion buyback. Um, there was one interesting thing, which is last year, PayPal was rumored to be going to buy out Pinterest, which is like the social media image sharing platform. But what actually transpired is they said no in the end, um, which would have been a good deal for Pinterest. But um, 
basically there's a there's an investor on the PayPal share registry uh, called Elliott Management, and they seem to be I don't know much about them, but just reading about them, seem to be more active and vocal. They also have a big stake in Pinterest and PayPal. I did BHP. I think they. Oh, did yeah, they? Yeah, a few right. Years ago. Yeah. And um, it's really interesting around that they said they're doing an information sharing. Uh, like a p- partnership with PayPal or something like this. So that's interesting. In terms of earnings, earnings per share of 93 cents versus the analyst estimates of 86. Revenue, 6.81 billion versus analyst estimates of 6.79. So just a slight beat there. Um, PayPal had, and this is where it impressed me, 429 million active users, which was up 6%. So um, that was slightly behind consensus of 432, but it was overall pretty strong considering it's been a few slow years paypal's dropped its target of i think it was 700 million users or something um and engagement was up on the platform so more people using it i feel like the opportunity's got to be in emerging markets still doesn't it with something like paypal where yeah we don't necessarily use them in, yeah, as much in australia yeah smaller so, websites so in different markets like yeah there's a leapfrog effect where um so like alibaba they went straight from like cash to mobile yeah. Whereas we went to you know, Visa, Tap and Go, what, Electronic. Um, and Mercado Libre in South or Latin America is very powerful. Yeah. Um, and they did have a cross shareholding there for a little while. Um, so they're another one to, to be mindful of. But for the most part, um, this is a interesting thing because the CEO came out and said, we've got too many heads. <laughs> um, we're not, we could be more efficient. So this is probably one of the companies that is saying, no, we're actually going to cut well, we're going to reduce headcount. Um, so that for a hugely profitable business, really interesting. Um, they're exploring ways to integrate PayPal with Venmo. So Venmo is their peer-to-peer payment product like the Cash App. Yep. Zero fee to transfer between friends and whatever and split bills. So that's, um, yeah, really interesting. It was probably more robust than, than people expected and that's why shares are up. So that's PayPal. Another great company that's been sold off heavily. Huge, for- yeah, massively. So. Yep. Um, and yeah. determining whether it's cyclical or secular. Yeah, I, I think okay. you know, there's a lot of tailwinds on its back, but also competitive threats are now becoming yeah. a thing. So yeah, down from um, over $300 a share to a current $96. So big way down. I was scraping the barrel. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no offense. No here, offense. Here we go. <laughs> a listed investment company. Okay. Which it's kind of, yeah, this will be a very quick one. Okay. Uh, I just said it was a weird one to review. Uh, basically, Af- Australian Foundation, AFIC, AFI, yep. uh, in, holds a portfolio of Australian listed shares. They can't turn over a lot uh, because they've been holding Aussie shares for a long time. And there's a lot of capital gains. So there's always this risk that, you know, there's transaction costs that come. Yep. We're selling them down and obviously it's a company structure, so they pay tax. That, yep. that gives them the benefit, which is to be able to, if you know, if you're buying a share directly, you only get the dividend that they pay that year. So in the pandemic, it dropped 50%, but I'm pretty sure from memory, AFIC didn't drop their dividend. They actually held it still right. because they had a build-up. They basically carry cash. They got $140 million in cash at the moment and they've got a frank credit reserve. So they can keep paying frank credit, uh, fully frank dividends, as a company without the same dividends being received by the company on the other end as revenue. So their profit was up 53% to 360 million uh, and revenue was uh, up 50% to 393 million, which tells you they don't have a lot of costs. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their only costs are, I guess, custody, yeah. accounting and investment management fees. They say it's a low MER, so management fee 
it must be something like 20 million they pay uh, to their staff to manage the portfolio and that's 0.16 so that's almost equivalent to IVV or yeah. someone yeah, else it's I think. super low yeah um, obviously it can't change all that much the probably the interesting takeaway there was that they said they were paying about 10 cents of the dividend from capital gains uh, either realized on their portfolio of stocks whereas historically it's all been from uh, retain like profits like a and sort of frank dividends. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So you probably so forgive me if I'm wrong. We probably don't want to. We probably wanted to see more of the income paying all up. the frank. Yeah, yeah. Which could just be a combination that dividends had been aren't quite back to where they were yep. the year before, and maybe they don't want to run down the frank credit balance. So if you're paying capital gains, you're likely to not have as many frank credits on that. But yeah, depends okay. how, how it's structured. So um, I get a lot of questions about this. Uh, AFIC is one of those unique um, listed investment companies that offers a DSSP rather than a DRP. Um, I don't know if any of your clients have one of these, but um, so basically instead of a DRP, your dividend reinvestment plan where you get the dividend paid out in new shares and you still have to pay um, tax on that dividend even though you don't receive it in cash, a DSSP, you don't get their franking credit and all that sort of stuff, that benefit, but what actually you get the new shares but um, you don't get taxed on it, but it comes out of your cost base in the long term. Yes. So the difference is you're basically substituting tax now for tax in the future. Yep. Um, so that's a DSSP. If you want to Google it, just Google AFI DSSP. It's on their website and it explains more. So yep. um, that's what, what the tax, franking credits, DSSP, all this stuff um, makes AFIC a pretty popular one for people that are tax conscious. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And likes, you know, aren't comfortable with the volatility in income that comes with holding direct stocks. As well. Yeah. Okay. So my uh, lucky number five is Alphabet slash Google. Um, Alphabet obviously is the global um, search engine business. So it owns Google, which owns everything. So, um, so <laughs> it's listening uh, right now. So it's listening. Um, yeah, it probably is to be honest. Uh, so <laughs> I know Apple's listening if I was to say, hey, Siri. So uh, revenue up 14%, $69 billion, lapping uh, the strong performance last year. So it's a bit of a slower period um it will also make uh, take a more considered approach to hiring it hired 10,000 people during the quarter mostly in technical roles like software engineering um and it expects that i believe to decline so the search business is incredibly dominant because of ads but this is the thing um google has continued to win despite apple privacy changes and google pays apple um billions of dollars a year to be the default search engine inside safari I've, I don't have anything on this. I don't know anyone that works at either company, but I suspect over time Apple is going to try and strong arm Google. You know? Like they did with Maps? Uh, yeah, exactly <laughs> like Maps. Like the new Apple Maps is, now I can finally say this is better than Google, Google. Maps. Yeah. yeah. Maybe except for like the reviews and that. I think they still use like Yelp or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's like bizarre. No, they're a bit more resilient in terms of advertising, weren't they, than a lot of the, than say Facebook and uh, some of the yeah. other streaming. And that's because of uh, the IDFA changes basically meant that um, – so the way they track you through like your IP on your address on your phone or your whatever you use, um, Google is more based on search intent. So, um, you know, holiday, um, Italy, hotel options, right? And then it pops up. Uh, whereas say Facebook's like you look at a picture and then tracks you through and it shows you pictures of holidays and destinations. Whereas Alphabet, and Google, you know, it's got billions of signed in users who can automatically like 
it knows based on what you're searching what you want yep. and that's a big difference than using your personal identifiable information yeah so still very dominant is search 58 percent of all revenue 12.5 billion dollars of free cash flow in the quarter unbelievable um, the thing that got me is YouTube advertising, not that strong um, as usual, uh, up 5%. The thing that- We haven't been doing enough podcasts for- We have not. We have yeah. to lift our game, mate. So we. <laughs> so the thing that really got me um, is, so inside Google, I don't know, if, have you ever looked at these? You're on one. I know because <laughs> um, YouTube Shorts, have you seen that? No. So this is like a short form version of TikTok on inside the YouTube app. So when you click on the YouTube app, no matter what device you're using, there'll be like the home button, then there'll be shorts, looks like an S. Then there's like library and my account and whatever on the menu. Um, and now my thing automatically opens to shorts and shorts are videos that are in, instead of being like horizontal, they're vertical on your screen and you flick up and you continuously keep going through like TikTok, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. have TikTok, so. Well, okay. So for those, <laughs> reels, for those reels. many of us that don't have TikTok, um, but the, the thing is, everyone's been worried about TikTok. TikTok, if you look at the growth in users, it's been the fastest ever growing social media network. And Facebook's been hit by it because Facebook's got a younger person problem. Um, and YouTube has this. YouTube currently has over 10, uh, 2 billion logged in users every month on the platform. Um, it, I think you know, it, it has, it's now watched by 1.5 billion signed in users on shorts alone. Right, every month, um, fifty percent of ad-supported U.S. streaming um, from eighteen years old and up is on on YouTube alone in the U.S. Watching TV or watching YouTube, Watch, watching of TV. YouTube, yeah, yeah, instead of TV. Five million subscribers now on the YouTube TV, um, but that includes trialers, so people that pay for that. Yeah, um, and they've just announced um, a partnership with Shopify, where you can do shopping inside of YouTube or like a partnership there. If we jump across the hallway and we go to the, the, the Google Cloud business, it was up 36%. GCP, which is their cloud compute um, and workspace, which is like all the tools that I use. I think you guys use Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. Um, same, same. Um, lots of growth, new partners from Target. There was a bunch of US states. Like, so it'd be like the state of Victoria using GCP for its cloud computing. Um, if we go across the, the, the hallway again to the other bets division, which is like where they take stupendous amounts of money and invest in these new age technologies. Some of them don't pay off. The one that everyone watches is Waymo, the self-driving company. It is now running fully autonomous ride sharing in multiple locations at one time. So really impressive. They've got this business called Wing, which is like drones. It's like Amazon, everyone's trying to do this, where it's drones that deliver your parcels. Um, and um, in the first quarter, so this was the first quarter results, um, in particular, not so much this one, um, 50,000 commercial deliveries. So that was up three times year over year. Three billion users on Android every month. Um, over the past two years, they've invested $40 billion in cloud and AI. $124 billion of cash. <laughs> so it's bigger than just how big is BHP, $120 billion. <laughs> Yeah, they're just, just taking BHP and putting it into the business. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to, pull out two quotes just to give you a flavor of what everyone's thinking at the moment. This is a quote, in travel, users' appetite continued to remain strong heading into the summer season. Searches for, quote, places to visit in summer, quote, were up two times globally year over year, while searches for, quote, last minute hotel deals were up 50%. And there's another quote, in the second quarter, searches for, quote, open now near me were up eight times globally year over year, while searches for a designer outlet jumped 90%. So 
this is all pointing to very, very strong, which is what we already know, very, very strong travel and people doing things out of the home, restaurants, cafes, bars, nightlife. Everything is coming back in a very big way. Bodes well for advertising as well, doesn't it? Advertising for every, basically every business that's physical is all of a sudden now in demand, which we know. Yeah. Skills shortages in those in those areas too. So the only blemish on the update was the somewhat cautious outlook with the uncertainty in ad spending. So um, yeah, they're going to slow hiring as well. This business is going to be leaner. Yeah. I know I spent a bloody long time on that, but that was it's really interesting. I think it just kind of shows the importance of having global companies doesn't it if a company's got 120 billion in cash on the balance sheet yeah. i'm sure the pe on it isn't ridiculous either and maybe yeah, you'd adjust out the um, cash too with the pe so yeah yeah crazy. it just shows like a lot of us have a home bias and like to buy australian stocks but there's just so much quality overseas and and size 23 that, times price earnings multiple if you took out the cash i mean it'd be a bit less than that so yeah that's pretty cheap when you compare yeah. it to woolies it's got Woolworths is 29 times yeah, yeah. pe yeah, yeah i know which one i'd take yeah. <laughs> Uh, last one, sticking with the US, because that's where all the, the action was last week, uh, Amazon, which yep. I think everyone knows that they build for scale, so they don't necessarily look to make a profit every quarter, but they accidentally made a profit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Three billion in profit. They were expecting a billion dollar loss. Uh, they've been hit lately because they invested in Rivian, which is like the, the new version of Tesla. I think a yep. few companies did, and this is quite common Huge. in the biggest tech companies. They try to find growth by having strategic stakes in fast-growing other companies. Mm -hmm. um, but their sales were high. I think their stock went up about 10 or 11% on the day they reported. Yeah, it jumped really, yeah. really heavily, yeah. Sales were up 7%, uh, apparently excluding currency because the US dollar has been so strong. Yep. It would have been 10% growth. So still pretty solid for such a massive global company. Mm -hmm. Cloud slowed. I'll use their, yeah, their quote marks. Up 33% for the quarter. So that's wow. 20 billion of their revenue now comes from uh, cloud computing. So Amazon Web Service, same thing you were saying before. Yep. Advertising, I assume that goes across all their businesses. So yep. Hulu and even their ads running on their uh, Amazon sites. Yeah. Yep. So that was up 18%. Uh, online sales is, uh, were 4%, you know, so slightly flat, which kind of tells you more people looking at services and travel rather than buying goods on Amazon still. Yep. And I mean, one of the amazing things is they say they're going to do 60 billion in CapEx in the next 12 months. So wow. like they're spending the market cap of some of Australia's largest businesses every year in capital expenditure to help improve themselves as compared to companies in Australia that pay out 80% of their mm. Profit in uh, dividends. So, did I hear that they did a hundred thousand in layoffs? That was my first point. I was going to keep that to the end. Oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it just tells you. I think they're one of the biggest employers in the world. So, yeah. it sounds like a lot Millions. to us. Um, yeah. But I think it's just a trend where there it was almost competition. Yeah, almost had to get ahead of what was happening in parts of the technology sector. Yeah, hired more people than you needed to, and in fulfillment um, too, right? Like in the factories and warehouses and whatever. And that's the probably the biggest quote. So the CEO isn't Jeff Bezos, it's yep. Andy Jassy. Yep. Uh, and he was saying that they've actually, after you know all kinds of costs getting out of control, whether it was COVID screens and tests and all those sort of things, they're they're well back under control. And the product, so the productivity of our fulfillment network, probably Amazon Flex and <laughs> and using more yeah. casual workers, yeah. uh, is significantly improving, which is key to having profit margins and eventually becoming a, a more profitable company if mm. they ever want to. Yeah. I mean, I think investors would be happy to back them 
regardless of whether they're going to seek to pay profits and dividends. Yeah. Um, the the Rivian, I was just looking at Rivian. So Rivian Automotive, it IPO'd, I, I think off the top of my head, about a $100 billion valuation. Top of the market. Bugger all in revenue yeah. and yeah. Um, cool looking cars. $55 though. million dollars in revenue, says Google. This is just off the top of my head. Um, now it's $32 billion. Yeah. So it's like it's $70 perfect- million dollars of you know, investor capital is just up in up in smoke. So um, it's easy to see why they would adjust that on their income statement. And they lost forty four billion on it. Yeah. Yeah. Just in the last quarter. And they lost they obviously mark it down as it goes down. Yeah. yeah. So that's incredible. Um, and yeah, so the Amazon actually is, in my opinion, a really interesting competitor in ad tech as well. So yeah. they have a lot of um, supply for their own ads, but they also have demand side as well. So they um, if you think about it, particularly in the US, not so much here in Australia, although I think this is going to happen, is a lot of people at the moment still go into Google and type in tracksuit pants or whatever. Yeah. Pellegrino (laughs) bottled water, right? Um, But for most people, Amazon, because they have the loyalty program, it's, you don't go anywhere else. You just go straight to Amazon. Like I did that the other day. I didn't bother to search anywhere else for tracky pants. I just went straight to Amazon. <laughs> got my, and this is the thing, right? I got my- Chinos, Chinos. This was at home, so I'm allowed to be a bit more casual. But um, in, I got my, my champion, um, my ch- legit, they were champion pants. Um, got my tracky pants and they were $33 on Amazon. I walked into JD.com, that, like it's like an in-store thing. Um, it was $69.99. Yeah. And I was like, well- Price transparency. Yeah. yeah. Chalk and cheese. I just go online. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, yeah, incredible. They're getting um, good TV shows too. They're getting building that ecosystem yeah. around Oh, it. the Prime. Yeah, I don't know. if Have you seen The Night Manager? It's an older one. I went back and watched it again. Yeah. It's with uh, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, yeah. It's really good quality. Exceptional. Yeah. I like it. There are some really good ones on there. The new one with uh, Chris Pratt as well. So, so many good wrecks. Anyway, um, so that's it for this week. We've got through 10 companies, uh, just a, a lot of companies, probably the, I don't know, if there's a, what did you think of the highlight for you? For the highlight for me, it's probably our city and being small cap. But um, I mean, even PayPal's result was very strong, stronger than, far stronger than I expected. So I don't know, what are you going to go with? Uh, Afic? I'd say Apple. Okay. A lot of A's in that one too. Yeah, Yeah, you did. Yeah, you got Apple, Alphabet, uh, Afic. Jeez, yeah, okay, we're going on it. Um, and Alcidian, next week, we're going to come back with 10 more. And so if you do want to, uh, if you want to hear us uh, quite, quite quickly and concisely, hopefully, cover 10 companies, let us know. Uh, we've got some, a lot more Aussie companies next week just because of the sheer number of companies reporting. And the week after that, even more, the page goes on and on. And the final week of August will be when we can find some... Uh, hairy ones that's when the naughty companies that's when they come out and they're like okay no one can see us now everyone's tired (laughs) so uh we'll we'll come out with our result now but yeah if you want us to um you know cover one of those companies send us an email podcast at ras.com.au hit us up on socials Uh, you'll find drew at waddlepartners.com.au financial planner based here in melbourne although do you service customers or clients from other cities everywhere basically in every city every quarter yeah, right. Okay. So every, every city, major every city, quarter. Every it's, quarter a good, yeah. it's a good way to phrase it. Okay. Great. Well, Drew Meredith, thanks for joining me. Thanks again. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods 
strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.